Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Precision Rifle Channel Podcast. I am here with Michael Lilly. Michael, how are you today, sir? Good, man. How are you? I'm doing great. I um, really appreciate you taking the time to jump on the podcast with us today. I know it was a little bit uh, impromptu, so it's awesome that we finally get a chance to talk in a non-competitive environment. Yeah, no worries. I appreciate you having me on. Absolutely, sir. So for our audience that isn't familiar with who you are, can you give us a background, a bio, whatever you feel comfortable telling people about yourself? I know you're pretty humble, but this is your, your chance to toot your own horn, so to speak. <laughs> well, I mean, I'm sure there's a large percentage of your audience that has no idea who I am. I, uh, I got into NRL about a year ago. I uh, did my first NRL match out at uh, Doug Glorfield's place, um, Rock Lake. I love shooting out there. Um, I've been shooting for a little while. I started back in 2008. I took a long-range course kind of on a whim through Kalen Wojcik, a uh, fantastic instructor, and he kind of set the foundation, and I had so much fun that I signed my wife up for the next one, and uh, she took a class through him. We had a small break in you know, shooting. We weren't doing competitions or anything um, because we moved overseas and we didn't have access to our gear or anything. Um, fortunate to come back to Washington in you know, 2015 and kind of got the itch to start shooting again, and then uh, was fortunate that real close to me, 45 minutes away um, at the time, was a local PRS um, club series match. And my buddy was like, you should just go, man. You know, you haven't done anything in a while, just go. So I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll go, go get embarrassed. I'm not worried about it. So <laughs> went out and shot and uh, didn't do as bad as I thought I would. And it's, it's kind of been, I haven't really looked back. It's been full steam ahead since then. And, you know, here we are just a few years later. And, you know, I'm pretty much basing all my free time around shooting now. So um, that's pretty much it. Nice. That that's awesome. I didn't realize that uh, Rock Castle, or sorry, Rock Lake was your first NRL match. Yeah, it was. Um, it hadn't really had a chance to shoot the national matches with my work schedule. I'm fairly busy. I'm gone about, you know, just under half the year every year. So it's you know it's a challenge fitting in family and shooting at the same time. No, definitely it could um, it could be hard on both uh, the the lifestyle and the checkbook especially when your wife is a competitor as well. She is. Uh, yeah. So that has been a, a challenge this year for sure. Um, last year, she sort of picked it up a little bit and started shooting and, you know, she's taken to it like a, a fish in water. I mean, she's so good. Um, if I truly believe that if you were to put her just in the pure active shooting, I would put her against anybody. If you know, if you add, you know, the gaming and, uh, competition, stress, times, weird positions, stuff like that, some physical limitations she has. If you take all that away, I would put her up against anybody. So she's coming for me. She may not say it out loud, and she's pretty <laughs> humble too, but she is definitely coming for me. Now, I remember when I first met you guys uh, back in Washington last season, we had the opportunity. We all stayed at Scott Satterley's house, and uh, Keely was actually in my squad, and we were shooting together. And she's just a complete badass in, in, in every aspect. Besides the shooting aspect of the sport, she's just real nice, real helpful, good positive attitude, very competitive, um, and just an all-around great woman. So you definitely got yourself a great catch there. Well, I appreciate that. 
Yes, sir. So, you know, when I look at you guys, I, I think you guys are probably one of my favorite couples in the sport right now, but you know, by far. Um, I look at you guys, and I know you're ultra competitive, and I know a little bit about your background, and I know Keely's ultra competitive. So how does that work in the household? I mean, who gets what gear? Who practices more? What? How does that dynamic work? Uh you know, it, it just kind of does. I don't know how to say it um, other than that. So it's, it's never really a competition or a fight to, you know, who gets what gear. Um, she's pretty much if she's asked for it, she's been fortunate enough to get it. And we've been fortunate enough to be able to afford to do it for her. Like for Christmas this year, she got some new Swaro binos that um, I don't think she's let me touch since. <laughs> um, <clears throat> you know, we we all have our individual gear. The goal was this year to be able for her to shoot in on her own because i'm gone a lot so for her to shoot on her own with her gear so she's not messing with my gear or adjusting my stuff and uh so far it's been working great you know, she did fantastic down in idaho um i think day two she only dropped four shots that she pressed the trigger on she timed out a bit right um but she i mean she hit 70 out of 110 on the second day down there and it wasn't a super easy force of fire so she's doing well Wow, so she only dropped four shots. Yeah, I want to say it was something like that. I know she cleaned the stage, and um, she's she didn't miss. I don't remember her missing much at all. I mean, I, that four shots may may be wrong, but if it is, it's it's not by much. Wow, that's phenomenal. That's super impressive. That's awesome. That's awesome. Now, watching you start off this season with the NRL, your competition season, um, mm -hmm. the first match you had a little bit of a little bit of difficulties. Your second match, you came back with a vengeance. Um, your third match, which was Idaho. Is that correct? That's correct. Yeah, that was a, that was a disaster. <laughs> <laughs> so you so, have a little bit of this wave that you're riding. What's going on? So, uh, well, I mean, I'm fairly new to the sport and there's a lot to this game and it's, there's a lot more to it than just having a great rifle and being able to shoot. Um, in Arizona, I was having some, uh, some issues and, you know, but when I got back and broke it all down with Matt Yor of Sawtooth Rifles, who's my gunsmith and kind of one of my mentors in this sport, uh, he pointed out ever so politely that my reloading game could use some work. <laughs> and uh, so there were some problems there. Uh, and once we got that sorted out, you know, uh, things were great. He's, he was, uh, I did a kind of a road trip. I did Arizona and then pivoted straight to Texas with Phil Vallejo. We kind of hung out a little bit and uh, he shipped me a rifle down there and gave me some factory match ammo and I shot well. I came in, I want to say tied for 12th with, uh, Regina, who is a uh, no slouch as everybody knows. Yep. Um, and then Idaho, I just, Idaho is a classic case of just trying to squeeze too much in at one time. So, uh, I think Thursday night i I worked till three in the morning and got on the road at four in the morning, packed up the family and then brand new trailer and, and drove all the way down there and, uh, zeroed real quick and just I'd had about just not enough sleep so it was you know that there's a, a million excuses that none of them matter the, the fact of the matter is I didn't place well down there and um, you know I'll be back but again I'm new there's a learning curve and there's going to be some ups and downs until I kind of you know establish that that I don't know the competition um, ritual for lack of a better way to say it Right. Um, 
you know, I still have a long ways to go. That's why I'm working hard on it. Yes, sir. So with that, we have a ton of new members in the precision rifle community this year. I mean, NRL is growing, Border Wars, NRL 22, uh, PRS is growing. All these uh, national organizations are growing with new members. And you being, like you said, only a couple of years old to this sport, what have been some of the most difficult or trying experiences that you have come across that you have overcome or are still working to overcome maybe? Um, I, well, there's a lot, I would say I'm going to kind of flip that on you and tell you the things that have helped me the most, and then we'll go okay. back and, and finish. So the number one thing that's helped me the most is just mentorship. I've had some outstanding mentors in this sport, um, you know, from people on other shooting teams that have encouraged me and, you know, were super happy for me when I, when I got picked up by a, a team and a sponsor, um, mentorship is easily the the biggest single benefit. If you have somebody that is willing to teach you, willing to patiently answer all those dumb questions that you have uh, as you're going up in this sport, because there's just so much to deal with. Right. Um, I think that that was you know easily the the biggest um, benefit that I've had. Um, I think the the biggest mindset, you know, the problems that that are in this sport is just you know, realizing that there are no quick shortcuts to being great at this sport. You know, you look at the the top of this sport, the guys that exist at the top of that ladder, and they're there every match. Those dudes have earned it. They have put in the time, the money, you know, the practice, all of it to earn it. And there are no shortcuts. You're going to have to to work hard at it. You know, you can have great gear, and you know, you can you know spend a bunch of money and all this other stuff, but you still have to put in the work. So I think that uh, time is a huge thing uh, that, you know, I feel like I've never have enough time to practice um, and do the things between work and family and everything else. And then, you know, obviously financially, it's it's tough. Um, I feel like I have a good paying job, but I mean, it's still a significant financial investment. And, and to have two shooters competing at national levels, you know, it's it can get expensive. I had a oh, yeah. friend of mine at work ask me the other day, he's like, Hey man, I really want to get into precision rifle and do what you do. Like, you know, what, what do you recommend? Like, what can you tell me? And I said, well, the first question I have for you is, do you hate money? <laughs> because if you hate money, like this is a sport for you. Uh, other than that, I, you know, I think that getting established the quality rifle and, you know, quality ammo to just eliminate that variable. And after that, it's really just hard work and, and learning the game. I think that's good, sound advice. When you started into Precision Rifle, um, you said that you'd taken some classes with Kalen. Is he been your primary instructor? Or have you taken other classes as well? And what was your experience with Kalen? Because I haven't taken one of his classes, but I hear nothing but great things about him. Oh, Kalen's a fantastic instructor. When you look at his background and his pedigree, um, it's unquestionable. Uh, but beyond that, he really has a, a passion for teaching. And, you know, there, there are several other people in this sport that have that same passion and have credentials in line with Kalen's. Kalen was just, you know, um, I was blessed that he was kind of in my backyard in Washington back then. And uh, him and I kind of hit it off. We have some similar interests and, in, you know, the outdoors and everything else. And uh, he is one of my primary mentors for sure. Um, but I like to think that I've 
picked up a little bit from just about everybody. I mean, uh, I can't even tell you how many late night phone calls with Matt Yore or Matt Medeiros or Jesse Rudell. Like, hey, man, this isn't working or I'm screwing this up. And most of them will chuckle and give me a hard time and, you know, call me call me an idiot there for a little bit. But then they, they turn around and take time out of their day to help me out. Um, formalized instruction. I really haven't taken much other than Kalen's course way back then. And then it's just a lot of informal instruction. Uh, I try to learn from everybody that I'm around. You know, I've, I've learned tremendously from Scott Satterley, um, you know, and, and so many other, other people. Terrific. Terrific. So now that you've got this, this education and you're learning from everybody, which I think is one of the best ways is you surround yourself with people that are better than you and you take what works for you. Right. Yeah. Uh, um, the same thing could be said about gear. What gear do you run? Um, well, I'm actually in kind of a transitional phase. When I first got into this, <clears throat> I, I was in the, oh man, I need this piece of gear. I need that piece of gear. I need this piece of gear. It seems like the, the more competitions I shoot and the more times I screw up a stage trying to fumble with too many pieces of gear, it seems like I'm more successful when I really just go back to shooting my my Armageddon gear game changer bag okay. and my rifle. That's that's really about it. Um, I I use the tripod a lot, obviously, but I'm starting to figure out. Um, and again, this may just be another phase in my shooting cycle, and I may realize that no, I do need more gear. But I feel like lately I've been trending towards less gear is more efficient. And uh, I, I tend to screw it up a little less, if that me, makes any sense. It does, because if you have less options, you make what you have work, right? Right. Like, for example, in Texas, Jacob didn't give us a lot of options. Right. And I was just kind of forced to use a bag in my rifle, and I did well. Uh, last week, coupled with some, some mental fatigue, trying to overcomplicate stages, it did not go well. And I think that those are just kind of lessons you have to experience. Uh friend of mine tells me that the best lessons in life are painful or expensive, and that trip was a little bit of both. So I learned some real lessons there. There's some truth to that for sure. So rifle-wise, what stock, chassis, caliber, action, scope, break down your, your rifle for us. Okay, so my setup that I have right now is a Sawtooth Rifles. Matt Yor uh, built me and Keeley six dashers. So we're both running six dashers this year. It's a bit of a switch. I was running 6.5 by 47 last year. And after talking to, you know, a lot of guys and shooting some six dasher, I kind of learned uh, some things that, you know, some capabilities that the cartridge brought to us that I, that I wanted to try. So we're both running six dashers this year. Um, that Matt spun up for us uh, using proof research barrels and defiance actions. So, I mean, the, the best that I've ever experienced. Yeah, great combination. Um, yeah, I'm super happy with it. And uh, so Keely and I were both blessed also to get invited to join uh, MDT's team. So we're running the new MDT ACC chassis, and it's been just fantastic. Just the modularity of it, being able to completely adjust everything to us has been just awesome, incredible. So super happy with that setup. And uh, we're also running a Night Force. Nice. So MDT, their ACC chassis has been a huge, um, a huge new player, I guess, for 2019. MDT, of course, has been around for several years, but the ACC just being launched this year. 
a lot of new people are, are trying it out with the modular weight system. How do you set up your rifle for you weight-wise? weight, weight wise? Do you use the extra weights? Do you not? How many? So on mine, I run all the internal barrel channel weights, and I'm running uh, just one additional set of external weights that I've placed. Um, what I did was I took a game changer bag and I put it on a little step folding ladder that I have with a thin top rail. And then I put the rifle on it, on the bag, and then I just moved the weights around until it balanced perfectly on such a, a small footprint. Okay. And that's essentially, I just have left it there and it's been working, working great. The rifle has not been the limiting factor. Are you using the weight in the rear stock as well or no? Uh, I took that out of mine, um, and I believe Keeley did as well. So I'm not using that just for balance purposes. Okay. I'm not looking to go super heavy. I know a lot of guys are trying to get their rifles just as heavy as possible, and which you can do with that ACC chassis. You can get it to a, a phenomenal amount of weight. I just, I, for me personally, I like to be able to maneuver the rifle just a little bit better. I mean, it's still hefty, right. but it's uh, it's more manageable for me. And Keeley runs less weights. So. With the extra weight that you've added, have you seen that as a positive gain in your performance in being able to mitigate recoil and visualize impacts? I, I mean, I'd be lying if I said it didn't help mitigate recoil and see impacts. Uh, that coupled simultaneously with the move to six dasher, uh, it's been a huge leap for me. I'm going from a, a different chassis last year and, you know, a 6.5 round to a six dasher with all the weight. It's been a huge difference. Um, I do believe I, I am a bit more on the kind of the fundamental side that I believe in recoil management and practicing, like I practice on a, a 308 and a six, five creep more a lot, um, just to mitigate that recoil because I don't ever want to get to the point where I'm just, you know, using the, the weight to manage all the recoil. I still want to drive the gun for lack of a better way to say it. Which actually brings up a great point. Do you, I, again, MDT is a, a great company. I love their ACC as well. Um, but do you think that manufacturers coming out with these type of innovations um, helps or crutches new shooters as they're getting into the sport? You know, that's an interesting question. I think that um, from a manufacturing standpoint, companies are going to give shooters what they want. If, the, if that's what all the shooters want, then that's what companies are going to produce. Right. Do I feel like it's uh, you know a shortcut to performance? You know, it, maybe in the beginning it'll help, but I think you, you can get to a point and then you're going to plateau. When you look at guys like uh, John Pinch and Jake Bibbard and those dudes that are at the top, you know they can add all the weight, they can do whatever tips and tricks, but when you look at them, they're still fundamentally just great. Right. Um, they're still driving the gun. Their recoil management is is on par. So I think that, yeah, you can try and kind of buy your way to uh, success early. Um, and, and there are some benefits to it. I mean, you can't get around the fact that a guy shooting a six-dasher in a 25-pound you know, rifle setup is going to see more than a guy shooting an eight-pound 308. Right. I mean, it's just the reality of the situation. So I'm not sure if that answers your question or not. It, it does because, you know, People come to us all the time and they ask, hey, I want to get into the sport and what do I do and how do I start? And, you know, to me, the first answer is always go get good education. You know, these oh, are absolutely. Yeah. Right. 
I mean, Absolutely. if you don't know the fundamentals, no matter what you do, you're never going to be as good as the next person that does know the fundamentals. I agree. So I, I grew up in kind of a competitive golfing background. I, I played golf since I was a kid, played it competitively. Um, and there is no substitute for fundamentals and proper instruction because if you don't have that foundation, anything you build on top of it, you're going to have to tear down if you ever want to get to a to true greatness in anything. Right. If you want to be really good, you're going to have to have that solid foundation to build on. Otherwise, you're just you're setting yourself up for failure and frustration. And it's so hard, so hard to undo things. Like uh, Philip Leo, the other day, we were chatting back and forth on uh, FaceTime talking about bolt manipulation. And he noticed that a thing that I do with my arm and he pointed out that, you know, do you, does that affect your sight picture? And I was like, well, yeah, but sometimes and he, he showed me a way to manipulate my bolt smoother. And I mean, it's such a small thing that I never would have noticed, but it took yeah, I, I'm still working on it, for lack of a better way to say it. But, I mean, it, it makes a difference, and it's that foundational stuff. It, it, it is. It's funny because I had taken a couple of different classes before I met Philip. And, when, <coughs> excuse me, when I first started hanging out with Philip, he came over to my house, and he was helping me get a new rifle set up in the whole nine yards, and he pointed out things to me that – were fundamentally incorrect that I had no idea. And as soon as I changed them up, you know, as simple as shifting my hips left or right or tucking my elbow a little bit more, whatever it was, I mean, it makes a huge difference. It does, you know, and there's there's a lot of really great quality instructors out there. Um, Phil is definitely one of those, those great ones, and he has a real passion for learning. Uh, so much or for teaching, excuse me, so much. So he's kind of my enemy right now because he is working almost exclusively with Keely, getting her better and better to beat me. Uh -oh. and I, uh -oh. I, I think he would rather see Keely beat me than for him to win it all. Honestly, <laughs> I, I think it would be phenomenal to see her just totally smoke, smoke you, just wipe the field clean with you. Well, you'll forgive me if I'm not ready for that to happen yet. <laughs> Uh, that's awesome. So, you know, again, that, that dynamic, I know we already touched base on it a little bit, but when she's out there shooting and you're out there shooting and, and you guys are within a couple of points for each other, do you guys still root for each other? Oh yeah. I absolutely root for her. Um, we haven't been within a couple points of each other, you know, yet, but I, I love seeing her succeed, and I know she loves seeing me succeed. I mean, yes, we want to both beat each other, but we do still love each other. I mean, there's that that foundation there. Um, and, you know, like when she stepped up, I, it, I can't remember the stage number. It was off the rocks, uh, one of the several stages off the rocks in Idaho. And I got up there, and I shot an 8 out of 10, and I was feeling pretty decent about that. And then she got up there and just cleaned it, made it just look easy. <laughs> And everybody was just giving me such a hard time, but it was, uh, it was, it was good fun. And, uh, I, I enjoyed it. Like I'm, I'm happy for her success, however it may come. Nice. Now here's going to be a tricky question. And if you want to plead the fifth, go for it. Sure. All right. So in my experience, I shoot with Brittany, my better half. I've shot with her a couple of times and every time we're on the same squad and I try to help her with anything, the match or that course of fire just goes to hell right she, <laughs> she she won't listen to what i have to say or what i have to say i can't say proper to her 
and then she'll go and she'll shoot without me and she'll do phenomenal. So what is your experience? Is it a pro or a con to shoot with your significant other? And does that marital bliss ever get in the way? Oh man, you might be affecting my marital bliss with this line of questioning. <laughs> you can please uh, yeah. No, I, so I love Keely and, uh, it is absolutely a pro. Um, again, I'm gone so much that any time I get to spend with my family is worth it. So if if shooting with Keely hurts my performance a little bit, but I get to spend a weekend with her and, and hanging out with her friends and everything else, then it's worth it. Is it more stressful to shoot with your spouse? Absolutely. Anybody that says anything differently is just either they're lying or they have the greatest relationship in the world and they need to teach me. <laughs> they're probably um, lying. <laughs> yeah. That being said, you know, there's there's some friction and there's some barriers that are when you're giving coaching to your spouse, especially if they're not ready to receive it, there's some some fundamental just friction there that you can't overcome. And, you know, I love Keely to death, but I could tell her like, hey, babe, if you uh, put your right knee up under your right elbow, you'll be more stable. And she would just, you know, she'll blow me off and you know, stop coaching me. I got this or whatever. And then somebody like Bill or Kaylin or or Scott or, or anybody else could be like, Hey Keely, you know, if you put your right knee up on your right elbow on it, you'd be more stable. She'll turn right around and look at it and be like, yeah, yeah, that's really great advice. Thanks <laughs> for that. Um, so, but I think what we've learned over the years or I guess the year and a half we've been doing this is to respect each other's space. And what I do now is I ask the question like, Hey, are you ready for me to, to show you something? Are you ready to receive you know, a little coaching and she'll either say yes or no. And if the answer is no, it doesn't matter how bad you want to tell her or how much it'll help her. Just don't, it's not worth it. That's great. So advice. yeah, that's, that's kind of where we're at now. And uh, again, that goes back to getting her all her own equipment. Um, I think the ultimate goal is for us to start shooting in separate squads so where we can enjoy the weekend together, but you know, have some space occasionally depending on the match. Uh, I'm still going to want to shoot with her, you know, occasionally, but I do enjoy shooting away from her sometimes too, because, uh, it, at the highest levels of this sport to be really competitive, you have to be a hundred percent focused on your task at hand. And if she's there, that is a small percentage of my brain or sometimes a larger percentage, depending on how the day's going of my brain that is elsewhere. It's not focused on doing what I need to be doing. Right. So uh, we're working through it, you know, it's a, it's a work in progress. We're still, like I said, we're still babies in this sport and we're still just trying to figure it out. Well, I think you guys are doing a phenomenal job. Your advice of, you know, asking her, are you ready to, you know, for me to help you or for me to give you a pointer? I've never approached it that way. And I think that's a, a great way to approach a situation or a topic. And then just, like you said, respect their wishes and their space and, and let them, fail or succeed, hopefully, you know, on their merits and on their, their comfort level. Yeah. Or, or the other option is to use a proxy and go tell, uh, <laughs> I'll go tell Kaylin like, Hey, can you tell her this? And he will, and then it'll go great. So, right. But it, hold on. That, that scenario is like true with anything, not just shooting sports. It's the same thing. If, if you tell, if I tell my wife two plus two is four and you know, she argues with me and then somebody else tells her it's the same thing. She'll listen. It's just, they never want to listen to their other half. That's just, well, yeah. I think that goes both ways, you know, men and women. Yeah, absolutely. Anybody, like I said, that 
tells you that marriage is all like teddy bears and rainbows is, is full of it. So right. They've only been married for two months. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's work. It's constant <laughs> effort. Awesome. So what's next for you this season? I know, you know, you're going to be traveling pretty soon. Um, I don't know exactly what your schedule is. What matches do you have planned or what's, what's going on? Well, it just seems uh, every year that is the battle is finding the matches that fit around my constantly evolving work schedule. And um, so I'm this weekend coming up, I'm shooting the uh, Finlay Memorial Cup. It's a fantastic match that Jesse Riddell puts out every year uh, in memory of Jim Finlay. It's good, and uh, all the proceeds and everything go to a good cause. And, you know, the local 4-H club comes out and cooks breakfast for donations. And there's a side match with, you know, a lot of the uh, proceeds going to the 4-H club. So it's, a, it's just a fantastic, less pressure match than a than an NRL national match. Uh, it's two days. I'm looking forward to, to hanging out with my friends out there. Um, after that, I have a couple little local matches, and then I'm, I'm overseas for a little while. Um, I'll get back just in time to uh to shoot scott satterley's elr match really looking forward to that me too uh, i hear i hear nothing but great things about that match and i'm just super excited to stretch the legs out on a, a big boomer rifle um and spend some quality time in wyoming i hear it's just gorgeous out there where he's got that match uh then my next nrl match is rock castle so nice. I'm, I'm looking forward to, to flying down there to to see all my buddies in the Southeast. I spent a lot of time, you know, in that neck of the woods. So looking forward to, to that match as well. Awesome. Well, you know, we'll be there. Um, yeah. So it'll be a good reunion for us to catch up after your, uh, your trip. Speaking of Scott's match, have you ever shot a ELR match before? No, it's, this will be my first one. Like I said, I'm super excited for it. Um, yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. All right. So you and I are in the same boat cause I haven't either. So, what rifle, or, or do you know what you're shooting yet? Yeah, so Matt Yor is spinning me up a, a 300 PRC as we speak. Um, nice. We had a lot of debate going back and forth on, on what to shoot, and um, I have a 6.5 PRC that would probably do it. Uh, I think Keeley's going to run that one. And then um, I decided to step up to kind of a, a big boomer of a rifle because it, it fits a, a niche in my gun safe that I don't have filled yet. So... That'll be awesome. What optic are you running? Uh, my Night Force 7 to 35. Okay. And still the MDT? Oh, yeah. Nice. Very cool. See, I, um, I've i never shot the ELR match before either, and I don't have uh, the time to get a rifle spun up, so I'm going to shoot my 300 Win Mag that I have. Oh, yeah. And Scott said that it should be just fine, but I'm, I'm definitely interested because I've never played the ELR game. And so I'm not quite sure what to expect. Have you had any insight from talking to buddies or Scott? So again, I've never shot one. So I may be talking a little bit out of my depth here. Um, the impression I get is that, you know, there's less positional stuff. It's more just belly fundamental pure active shooting. So this is, this is kind of the match. If there's a match where Keeley has an advantage on me, it's, it's probably this one. So no. Uh, again, I'm just looking forward to the experience of, of shooting out that far. You know, I I very rarely have, have ever shot out that far. I have. So I'm I'm really looking forward to it. Now I heard that there's also a ton of prairie dogs that we're going to be having some fun with out there as well. I've heard that too. I know uh, Kevin Ditto has been stockpiling 17 HMR little by little. I think he's going <laughs> to bring a in a whole trailer full of 17 HMR and hopefully a couple barrels for that rifle. Nice. That'll be a ton of fun. 
All right, so we covered a wide variety of topics here. Now, kind of the last topic I'd like to touch on is when you first started the sport about a year and a half ago to today, what have you seen that you, what have you seen in the sport that has grown or that has degressed or where do you think kind of like the sport is heading and where would you like to see it head from a new shooter's perspective? Hmm. That's a really interesting question. Um, I think when I got into this, uh, you know, six months, you know, the first six months in, it was to have fun. It was to have fun and shoot and hang out with, with good people, uh, which is still very much the goal. But it has shifted as I've experienced some success and, um, you know, however small it may be, that I've, I've shifted towards more of a I want success um, I want to, you know, to place well, I'd like to win, you know, and, and those things are, are on the horizon. They're not, I'm not there yet, but I'm working at it. And that's my goal. I think, um, from an outsider looking in, you know, having not been involved in this game very long, I think that as the sport is just exploding in popularity, I mean, even in the short amount of time that I've been competing, um, I've seen our, our local club matches go from, you know, 10 to 15 shooters to, you know, 80 shooters for our practice match once a month at, at my local range with a wait wow. list. Like guys are scrambling to get in on this match. And, you know, you'll see a hodgepodge of different rifles and stuff there. Everything from, you know, the guys, grandpa's, you know, 30 odd six to, you know, high end custom rigs and everything else. But it just seems like more and more people are getting in. I'm seeing a, a lot more women shooters getting in. And um, I love to see Keeley, you know, interact with those new shooters. And you can just tell that, you know, it's so intimidating for a newer shooter, let alone a newer female shooter. When they see another female shooter having fun, doing well, it's it's such an inspiration to them. So I really enjoy watching her kind of mentor um, other new shooters. I think that the, the sport itself is kind of um, at a crossroads. And I don't really know how else to, to explain it other than I'll, I'll correlate it to golf. Again, coming growing up as a, a competitive golfer. Uh, golf, you know, back in the, the 50s, it was still a small niche sport. And then a, a guy named Arnold Palmer came along and made it cool, for lack of a better way to put it. And golf just, you know, exploded. And as it grew in popularity, uh, more people started playing it. More companies started getting on board. More money, TV, all that stuff. And and now it's you know golf is huge. I mean, it's hard to fathom how many golfers there are in the United States, but it's right. it's just massive. Um, you know, and I'm not saying that precision rifle is going to get to that level, but it's exploding in popularity. And what I've seen is that we're, we're kind of at a crossroads right now, where we're not a uh, a sport, you know, like the NBA or, or PGA Tour or anything like that. But, you know, there's a lot of money involved in it now. And, uh, you know, it, we're, I think we're past the, the pure hobby stage as well. Um, so it, it's kind of interesting where we're at. So it's I'm, I'm really excited to see where we go from here, where people that are driving the train, such as yourself or uh, uh, Shannon Kay and the, the PRS, where you guys take us. Yeah, I think it's it's definitely at a crossroads because it's at that point where, you know, we can continue to, to go as a grassroots type of outlaw type of sport, or 
is there enough people in the sport that really want to take it to a professional level? And the competition is certainly there. The number of people interested in the sport is growing daily. I mean, it's insane how fast the sport is growing. And the manufacturers are coming out of the woodworks. You know, people, you know, a year or two years ago that focused primarily on the AR platform are now switching over to the bolt rifle. And the bolt rifle companies are continuously innovating with new products. And it's just, I mean, a, a crazy shift in the past year and a half. Yeah, it's it's been crazy just to watch. And, um, you know, I feel like those of us that are in now are kind of at the, the ground floor. And I think the it'd be really interesting to see where the sport goes. I think, you know, uh, I do come from a more, for lack of a better way to say it, a, a conservative background and that I, I want to see the sport grow. I would love for this sport to turn into the, you know, the next PGA tour or whatever. Um, what I fear is that I don't want us to lose our roots, our culture and, um, kind of like our, our ethos and right. as a sport and where we're at now, the sport, as I see it now, is just full of, so many just good, humble, salt-of-the-earth people that are willing to give you the shirt off their back. Like I, I've got so many friends in this game that you know that are competing at, at high levels that would be just as happy to see me beat them, right? Because you know they they had a part in my mentorship, and I, I don't want to see us lose that atmosphere. And, and I don't think we are. Um, it's just you know as the sport grows, it's going to be a challenge to kind of to shepherd that along the way. I think we just need to decide who we are as a sport and where we want to go. I agree. I agree 100%. Now, again, looking at the future of our sport, you have a son. Oh, yeah. Two. Two sons. I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, I only met your elder son, I believe, correct? No, that's that's my baby. I'm a little older than I look. Yeah, (laughs) the 14-year-old is my baby. Yeah. Okay, I apologize. Uh, so what do you do Asian genes man right thank god thank nobody ever believes me when I tell them how old I am they're like no I'm like yeah dude I'm I'm that old yeah um what do you do when your sons come up to you and say hey dad I want to start shooting matches with you so I have learned a long time ago that um, both with spouses and kids that you can't force them into anything. You know, you can provide the opportunity, you know, hey, do you want to go shooting today? Sometimes the answer is no. Sometimes the answer is yes. And I just try to focus on on keeping it fun. Uh, My youngest actually has quite a bit of aptitude. He shoots really well. Um, But he's intimidated by the matches and he's not he's not ready. Right. Um, and so all I do is try to foster that, uh, that excitement for the sport and, and, you know, to keep it fun. Um, and when he's ready, if he decides he wants to start compete, then, then I'll be there for him. I'm definitely not going to push him into doing it because he's a teenager and, uh, the resistance would be overwhelming. So it, it's not worth it to me at that point. Right. <laughs> nope. Very cool. Very cool. All right. So we're almost at the end of our time here for the show. And one of the things I like to ask everybody on the show is, (coughs) excuse me, what three items or three things do you have to do or have at every single match you attend? And I'm not talking about 
a spotter or binos or your kestrel. I'm talking about those oddities. Um, an example is one of our one of our friends of ours always has to have chocolate. Uh, another friend has to have Sour Patch Kids. Um, another gentleman said that he won't go to a match until he kisses his daughter goodbye when he leaves. Otherwise, he knows it's going to be a horrible match. Do you have any of these quirks or must-haves, per se? No, I, I'm not a superstitious guy or anything like that. My uh, my three things that I've, I've learned I need at matches is much more, like, basic. Uh, I've learned that I need snacks. I need lots of snacks. Like, I may look like a skinny, in-shape kid, but I think I have an inner fat kid. I identify as a fat kid, and I like to eat. So I, I'm constantly eating at matches um, and water. Uh, snacks and water would be two. And then, as I've learned at this last match, I need sleep. Like, I can't just keep power in through and expect to do well and mentally perform in a match without sleep. So those, those three things, three very important, very key things to have for uh, not only a great match, but almost any situation, right? Yeah. Yeah. I, I would agree. Uh, we'll see, you know, I, I haven't really gone out there and won any matches or anything like that. So, you know, maybe I need to relook my priorities and get some sour patch kids or, <laughs> or whatever, but you know, right now, that's the level that I'm at. Awesome. Well, excuse me, my cough a little bit, but uh, I really appreciate you coming on to the show with us today, taking the time out. Um, I know you got a crazy busy schedule and we're heading heading into the weekend, but it's always a pleasure. I love hanging out with you guys at the matches, and it's cool to just finally be able to sit down and talk without the chaos of a match going on around us. Oh yeah, you're a busy man. I, I, I'm humbled and you know honored that you you had me come on here because again I'm a baby. I'm a nobody in this game, and uh, it's humbling to to have you want to hear my opinion. So I appreciate the opportunity to to talk with you. Well, I always enjoy chatting with you, man. Likewise, and you keep saying that you're new and you're a baby and you're a nobody, but you know what? That's today. We might look back on this show in a year, and you're a champion. Yeah, we'll see what uh, John Pinch and Jake Bibbert and Brian Pence and all those guys had to say about that. But yeah, <laughs> hopefully that's the goal. Give them a run for their money, brother. I'd love to, man. There you go. Well, guys, I appreciate you guys tuning into the show today. Michael, I appreciate you coming on. Until next time, you guys be safe, keep shooting, and we'll see you guys at the range. Take care.